In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, if we could have only had a glimpse, just gotten a picture of what Jerusalem would have looked like on this blessed day, the day that we remember as Palm Sunday. And the way that Jerusalem looked had nothing to do with what we know as Palm Sunday. We need to remember that the crowds would have converged. All of the dispersed Jews, the Hebrew people all over the known world would have converged onto this city, which was not a huge city. Why? Because today was the beginning of the week of the celebration of blessed Passover for them. The streets would have been walled with people before Jesus ever shows up. It was a crowded place. And today Christ our God rides into this scene, into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey, riding in to be for us the final Passover sacrifice. He rides in to offer up his life even unto death so that we may never have to know death and may receive life and not only life, but life abundant. And this throng of people that was already in Jerusalem we heard the scripture and we know the story, but let's remember, they welcome him with loud cries of Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And they took parts of their clothes and they laid them on the ground before him and they took branches, greenery and branches of trees and laid it before as if receiving a king into Jerusalem on that day. Today, when we look at this Palm Sunday, I want us to look at two things. The first is this. I want us to look at the manner in which Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Because it's very important to the way that Christ approached his people then and how Christ rides to us every day of our lives. But then secondly, we need to look at how the people responded to Christ riding in that day. And not only how they responded that day, but how they would continue to respond as that blessed, what we know as Holy Week, the week of our Lord's Passion, would unfold. First, let's have a look at how our Lord rode into Jerusalem to his people that day. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who rode in for what we call the triumphal entry. How does he ride in? He rides in on a donkey. On a mere beast burden. And a lot of people will ask, what kind of animal is that for a king to ride towards his people in? How does that show him forth? The reality is, the way in which, this goes back to ancient times, the way in which a king or a ruler would ride towards a town, a village, a people group, the way in which he would come to them would let them know the reason that he was coming and what he'd come to do. For example, if a great king rode towards a people, a village, a town, if he rode on a great war horse, a strong steed, those people had much to be afraid of. Because they knew if a king rode to them on a war horse, he had come to conquer them. He had come to take them by force, to force them into subjection under his kingship, and they would be taken away as slaves under his rule. But at the same time, if a king rode to those same people 
on a donkey, on that beast of burden. The people knew that that, peace had, that, God, that king had come in peace. And he'd come to offer them peace and to offer them an opportunity to become citizens under his kingship. And with that citizenship, they would be able to enjoy all of the great benefits of his kingdom. If, by their own will, by their own choice, they would place themselves under his kingship. In fact, we see this many times in Holy Scripture. We see royalty and leaders riding on a donkey in pursuit of peace with the people, making an offering of peace. We see this in the book of Judges. We see it in the book of 2 Samuel. And we especially see it from the mouth of the prophet Zechariah in the book of Zechariah in chapter 9, which is the very prophet that St. Matthew quotes when he gives the story of Palm Sunday describing why Jesus would ride in on a donkey. God, through the prophet Zechariah, would speak these very words. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from, river, from the river to the ends of the earth. You see, our Lord does not run towards or come towards his creation, mankind, to conquer mankind. To force mankind into submission and subjection under him as slaves. That is not God. That is not love. And God is love. You see, love offers himself and opens the door for love to be reciprocated by the will of another. Hoping and longing that an actual and absolute relationship of oneness may be experienced by both. And that kind of relationship demands that two wills move towards one another by their own choice. He came to us and he rode into Jerusalem that day to make himself the peace offering, the Paschal Passover lamb, making a way once and for all for peace between all of mankind and the God who loves us so infinitely and so perfectly. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Don't fail to see the Lord your God and our Lord Jesus Christ as a conquering king, a mighty king. But consider the fact of what he conquers. This king conquers death and hell and has conquered the enemy that deceived us and separated us from God in the very beginning. And against Satan and all of the demonic, he approaches as a warrior. This is why we see in the book of Revelation, when it describes Christ leading all the armies of heaven to completely annihilate Satan and all the demonic powers and dominions, he's not riding on a donkey. He's riding on a great white steed. And so he wars for his people against them. But how does he come to us? Just as on Palm Sunday, just as on a donkey, he comes to us always with the offering of peace. That if we will place ourselves under his kingship, that not only will we have the peace that he offers, but every blessed benefit 
of that kingdom that he has made and prepared for all of us now and for all eternity. So in him writing to us in this manner to grant us peace and offer us peace, the question then comes, how shall we respond? How shall we respond to this great offering? And to consider this, and I tell you that when I looked at this this week, I found myself very challenged within my spirit about something. But not only did that challenge come, the challenge came with a blessed offering. That I want to share both the challenge and the offering with us all. To do this, we have to look at how the people responded to Christ's coming on that blessed Palm Sunday 2,000 plus years ago. When he rode into Jerusalem, why were they praising and welcoming him? They truly believed that the Messiah, their king, that would come from the line of King David had come to release them and to deliver them. But they thought that that release and that deliverance was that he was going to come and overthrow Rome their governmental and their civil oppressor. And so they rejoiced and they cried out to him and they spread out their branches along the way as that king and Messiah had come to them. And they cried out that great plea that we said earlier, earlier, Hosanna to the son of David. And never forget what the word Hosanna means that they got, that they cried. It means Lord Save. Lord, come and save us. Lord, deliver us. It was a cry of God's chosen people for mercy and deliverance. And they were crying precisely what our Lord Jesus Christ had wrote it, written into Jerusalem on a donkey to offer them. But they had wrongly defined in their minds and their hearts how that deliverance would be manifest. How? He would release them from their very real oppressor. And what was the result? They, Jesus rides in on a donkey. That's Palm Sunday. But as the week would progress, how would those people respond? As the week would go day to day, they would begin little by little to abandon him. They would turn from him. And by the end of that week at his trial, they would cry out, voting for Barabbas to be released. And they would cry out to Pilate, crucify him. These are the same blessed people that four or three days before was crying out to this man, Lord, save. Lord, save us. Show us mercy. Deliver us from our oppressor. And now they're saying, crucify him. And this is what got me a bit of a conviction. And I ask us to ask ourselves this question. Have we been living out our lives? Have we been living out our lives as Christians in any way similar to the way that God's chosen people on that day and throughout the week lived towards Christ who had come to deliver them? Here's what I mean by that. Picture it on Sundays, like today. What do we do? We lay ourselves down before our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like they laid down their clothing and the branches, we lay down ourselves. And how many times do we cry in the Mass every Sunday and every time we have Mass? Lord, have mercy. 
Lord, save us. Lord, deliver us. Lord, release us from our oppressor. Same sentiment, the same words. We do this together as Christ's blessed disciples who come to join with Him as He comes to join with us. But what happens throughout the weeks of our lives? Do we continue to offer ourselves to God and follow Him all of our days, crying out for mercy and deliverance so that we experience His divine grace and deliverance and healing in our lives every day because each one of us has, though we meet in a temple of God, we have become the temple of God by the Holy Spirit dwelling therein. But do we live that out on a daily basis or as the week goes, as we leave church having offered ourselves and cried out for salvation and received Him? Do we go from there and our love wanes for our Lord? That the distractions of the week, we allow them to set in and cloud the experience that our Lord wants to offer to us. The blessed experience of the Holy Trinity in our lives daily and even in the moments of our lives. Do we allow deceit like the people did that day, that week? Do we allow deceit, the deceit of our enemy to come into our minds and turn us to pursue things and worship things more than God? To love those things more than we love Him? I think if we're all honest, every one of us would say yes on days, on some days of the week. And what that tells us is that we, by our own choice as citizens, we, by our own choice, we choose to not allow ourselves to experience all of the great benefits that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords wrote into our souls to give us in the first place. My friends, thank God we are now right here at the beginning of Holy Week. This week we have come to lay ourselves down, offer ourselves, cry out for mercy and deliverance and receive just that from our Lord Jesus Christ. But on Holy Week we have the opportunity to do this every day. To every day gather. To every day, even when we are not gathering for prayer and worship. To be in prayer, to be in blessed fellowship, even in the back of our minds when we're going through the things that we must accomplish and all the duties in life that we have. We have the opportunity to do that every day. And I tell you even further that this horrid pandemic that is going all over the world, that's caused us not to be able to meet and cause so many suffering of illnesses caused us an extreme change of life that we're all still struggling a bit to adjust to. I tell you this, and always remember this. Do not think for a minute that the Lord your God is not taking this suffering and making it an instrument of divine healing for all of God's people who will place themselves daily unto subjection under His rule, under His beloved reign. Let Him be the shepherd of our souls. Truly take our place as a disciple. The disciple that doesn't lead and go their own way and choose to do what they want to do. But the disciple that follows the voice of God in their lives every day. For that's what the disciples did with Christ for those blessed three years they were with Him. We are given the opportunity, if we will choose to take it, 
to make our homes a place of prayer and worship that ourselves and if we have children, our children can experience. Even our conversations in the home have an opportunity to change, to be uplifting, to be of a people of great faith that have experienced the love and mercy of God, reminding one another of it on a daily basis. I was talking to a number of parishioners this week and I, I asked them this question because I was talking to them about this very thing. I really believe that God has called us to make every day a sanctuary experience with Him. And I asked people the question when I would say that. I'd say, you know, think about it. If we don't take advantage of this during this time, you know what's going to happen in our lives? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing will change. Because Christ our God who rode into Jerusalem did not come to force his people and conquer his people. He came to offer himself to his people. And if we want our lives, our own lives, the lives of our family members, if we want them transformed and the ability and have the ability to experience such an existence, then we must will towards God in the daily now during this time so that when we're able to gather back together again, we come and we worship Christ and it spins off into every blessed day of our life we never depart fellowship with Him. So take up the palms in your soul and you carry them this week in Holy Week, but make this the way we live. We come to receive him and be healed here together. And we take that healing and we go to be healed again and again in the days. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.